Last week, we talked about cognitive decline and cognitive overload, what all of that means for the individual as well as for the financial planner. And as we live longer, longevity planning is replacing retirement planning. Longevity planning as a concept requires holistic thinking, not just from the individual, but from the family and from society as well. Money Matters USA with Fred Sage. And you also need to work with your advisor to create multiple income streams. You're at the right place for information every week regarding all the components of a successful retirement plan. Asset allocation is really a driving force for how much your accounts are going to grow. Fred Sade is a financial fiduciary and retirement specialist. I have to put the client's interest ahead of my own pocketbook at, at all times. I must be able to justify why I'm making the recommendations. Money Matters USA with Fred Sade. Fred Sade. Welcome. It is Money Matters USA, the name of the podcast, the name of the fiduciary firm founded and managed by Fred Sade, who is a fiduciary himself, holds a Ph.D. in economics from Duke University. Fred Sade is someone who is a retirement specialist. He looks at that stage of your life now that's become a longer stage of life. And we're we're continuing our series on longevity planning and the the fall or or at least the the changing of cognitive skills. How are you today, Fred? I'm good. I'd like to say I'm great, but I'm not. I've got to go take a COVID test. (laughs) Man, it's like the world we live in, isn't it? I certainly hope everything's okay with that. Um, So do I. We're recording on December 20th, and you only have four shopping days till Christmas, Fred. (laughs) (laughs) well well, i'm gonna let amazon worry about that (laughs) that's a good idea good idea i like what you said about holistic planning for retirement and looking more at longevity planning and we talked opened up a series last week on cognitive skills and a study in in the uh, psychological science journal says that at any age we're better at some things, worse at others, and you're at a plateau of some other things. So, in other words, there's no age in which you're at peak form in everything. So, how do cognitive skills change over time, and why is it important to those who are planning for retirement and for those in retirement? Well, studies about cognitive decline, most of these are done in a university setting. And that's a big challenge in finding appropriate subjects because you're going to get college students and you can get them to um, volunteer, offer them some kind of benefit. But you also need people who are under the age of 65. And, And trying to get those age cohorts is a real challenge. There's a study called the Wexler Study And Wexler used the Internet and had enormous results, had over 50,000 subjects, has an enormous amount of data. It's not really been worked through entirely. But so far, what Wexler found is that the brain changes throughout our lifespan. And Wexler was focusing on particularly on early childhood and in middle age. 
Yeah, you know, um, that makes such sense, too. Um, To put it simply, a lot of people, of course, I think, wisely said wisdom comes with age, but also a change in thinking. So does that tell us anything about the way a person functions in the world or, or the way you think or and how you change with age? Well, the research is really challenged. Uh, the trying to figure out why some skills peak at certain times, and is that related to changes that are genetic in nature that affect the brain as you age? And as a current working hypothesis, uh, which is almost self-evident, and what it what it's saying is that if people are better educated, they're, they've developed their brain, if they're employed at a job that requires a lot of thinking, uh, it makes cognitive demands, has intellectual stimulation that's going to help them, and it will carry over uh, into people's 60s and even into this into their 70s. So at the moment, you can say which theories don't work, but it's hard to know which theory does work. So what we're, what we're left with is that we do have to look at the entire issue of health and the role that health plays in, in a client's decision-making process. Well, I mean, co- now, I, uh, yeah, well, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say that I have mentioned uh, Dr. Malevsky, and Malevsky is focused on uh, genetic materials, Mm -hmm. the the telomeres, and and this is Malevsky's focus. The telomeres are the key to longevity. Telomeres are strands of DNA. Uh, No, excuse me, they're strands of of RNA uh, and. But that's only a biological uh, explanation. And, and, and Malevsky has stayed clear of, of cognitive issues. So it's almost like a nature nurture then in what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Well, and yeah. The, the, other, the other thing, too, is that COVID-19, uh, we opened talking about that a little bit, certainly caused a lot of health uncertainty, uh, greater than any prior health issues or many prior health issues and health shocks. Has Risk tolerance change, have you seen that? And, and have you seen a, a, a bit of a lessening of enthusiasm for planning for the future when it's so uncertain? Well, let me give you um, kind of wider. It's a great question. So um, uh, let me give you a wider uh, answer. So first of all, consider this. We've been told by the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College that 60 is the new 40, mm-hmm. 65 is the new 70. So from that perspective, 60 and 65 are now young. 60, all right, so 60 is the new 40. I like the sound of that. Yeah. What was, um, what was the second thing you said? 60 and 65 are now considered young. And these phases come into our vocabulary by uh, Alicia Minnell, who used to head Social Security in the Clinton administration, uh-huh. and Dr. Minnell is the head of the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College. 
And she's been on a one-woman campaign to make age 70 the full retirement age for Social Security. That's consistent with, you know, with, with her 40 is the new 65. Boo, and, and 60. yes, boo, yeah, so, yes. Yeah, I don't well, want that. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, neither would I. I mean, if you're working on a garbage truck doing heavy labor, you're, you're a construction worker. Uh, this she she's not offering you anything that you want. But actually, it really does. Although I don't particularly want that, of course. But it it does kind of make sense because we are living longer. That's true. But now we're being told that at age sixty, our immune systems are weak, and that we face great risks from the coronavirus, especially if you have comorbidity, and you have other health problems. And these health problems get worse with age. So there are statistics that have come in from China. And, and the Chinese statistics say that for people over the age of 80 who, who have had COVID-19, the death rate in China has been 14.8%. But those age 70 to age 75, 70, excuse me, age 70 to 79, uh, had an 8% death rate compared to a 2.3% mortality rate for younger mm-hmm. age mm-hmm. groups. And we have 72 million American baby boomers, and that's defined, baby boomers is defined as somebody who was born between 1946 to 1964, and the majority of the baby boomers are still working and hopefully we'll stay in the labor force unless the economy tanks or tanks again. And that would prevent them perhaps from staying in the labor force. But we also know from our government statistics that about 20% of boomers provide elder care either in person or they're doing it remotely to a parent or some other family member. So even if the boomer is healthy, they're still on the front line and they have to worry about the higher vulnerability of, of old and, and, and frail parents or, or an aunt or an uncle for whom they are responsible. And, um, and if they're at a distance, then they have, to, they have to worry about it from a distance and maybe they hire somebody locally to be there, to be their, their eyes uh, and, and ears. And, at the end of the day, it's, it's just going to depend on how severe COVID-19 is and what is the effect going to be, not just on, on the boomers, but on our society. So if, if I come back to the original question you asked me, I think COVID-19 has made people think a lot about their future and think about their mortality the uh, Life Insurance Marketing and Research Association, LIMRA, and everybody knows that the life insurance industry does a lot of research, but LIMRA says that there's been a very significant increase in the purchase of life insurance policies, excuse me, (coughs) during 2020 and 2021. Makes sense. So maybe people are looking at their own mortality and because of that, they need to plan for their future. In fact, I was just looking at the, um, I didn't look at the report, but I looked at the two graphics 
that show us uh, the purchase of, of life insurance and, and is quite significant uh, in, in the increase. Yeah, I mean, that, that does make sense. Let me ask the question a little differently. So forget about the daily business programs and the hype and hysteria. That's the theme of the day. You, you could assume that healthy people, of course, would have more aggressive portfolios because they do expect to live longer. And people with health problems would have safer, less aggressive portfolios. Is that a fair assumption? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because uh, we're, we're, we're dealing with this whole issue of uncertainty. And, and we don't know uh, what our own longevity uh, is going to be. That, that's, that's, the, that's the wild card. So as, as people age, I always ask them to check their calendar, mm-hmm. see if they've gotten a doctor's appointment. <laughs> so what, what are the free, what, what's the free day that they have that we can, that we can schedule? And I've also found uh, that people who have significant health, health that's compromised uh, when they have to make a major decision uh, about their portfolio, we'll, we'll check with their doctor or, or the doctors who are responsible for their care before they make that, uh, before they make a major portfolio decision. Well, it makes sense. You got the two worlds colliding there, finance and health. But it, I mean, it does make sense. When we come back, how do you collaborate with the client who has health challenges Uh, which can impact their well-being. We'll take a look at that when we return after a very quick break on the podcast, Money Matters USA. Getting the right retirement strategy suited to your unique needs and desires is hitting the bullseye. You can say, I nailed it. You actually should say, we nailed it, because there's a fiduciary firm that's right there with you putting together the pieces of your very own retirement puzzle. It's a bullseye plan for you. Call Fred Sade at Money Matters USA at 800-593-8188. That's 800-593-8188. Hey, we're back. It's Money Matters USA. And again, uh, as you just heard, you can reach Fred no matter where you are listening to the podcast If you want to get some good retirement planning in place with someone who really knows the strategies, uh, Fred and his firm, Money Matters USA, can be reached with a phone call to 800-593-8188, 800-593-8188. Continuing our conversation on longevity planning and even cognitive breakdown and overall health uh, to consider, uh, we are talking about helping clients who want to live the lives that they they want to lead with the most security that's possible for them. Is this a case of you you know what you know and you know what you don't know, so how do you exchange information? Well, it's really a question of of having an open and candid dialogue uh, with, with the client and because they know the most about their own health. They've got plenty of information from their doctors about what conditions uh, they have and, what, and, their, and the impact of those conditions on their longevity. In some cases, it, it could be the spouse who is ill rather than, you know, rather than both of them. And during the pandemic, I've had several clients who have died from the coronavirus, 
especially at the at the early stages where you know where the there wasn't much treatment mm-hmm. and some of them have died with the coronavirus uh, but you know the comorbidity was was the culprit i've also had a few who, who uh, surviving spouses told me that uh, that they've had to postpone surgery or, or cancer treatment uh, that they would have received but you know with but the coronavirus prevented them from from receiving the treatment i've also had some people who've just been straight out and said um i, I have no reason to wait i, I want to enjoy life mm-hmm. uh i want to do it now because i i'm just not certain about the future who knows what what's going to happen um, is that part people, of the great resignation? And I, I'm reading that, that, that COVID forced a lot of boomers to consider retiring. And, and some were forced retirements against their will, but some chose to earlier than they probably would have had it not been for COVID. Yeah, that, that's, that's absolutely, it's absolutely right. Uh, the great, the great retirement, the great resignation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, some of the talking heads on TV keep on talking about all this great wealth effect that people have all this money. Then I see other studies that say, well, that was true, but it's not true now that that people have spent down all this enormous uh, surplus. Uh, When when I went to the um, center this morning to register for my COVID test, so I was chatting with uh, with, with uh, three women who are online, mm-hmm. and uh, all of them said to me that they went to work in the morning, uh, and then were told by their employer to to get out of there and mm. get a COVID test. So th- wow. these are you know these are uh, single. Mo- all three women were single mothers, and they mm-hmm. need the paycheck. They they don't have the luxury of uh, you know of staying home. Yeah, so I, I, I am very suspicious of, of the argument that there's enormous wealth still out there uh, among mid-affluent people and they don't have to work. I, I, I think it's, that's not the case. I think people uh, taking the opportunity uh, to pursue uh, other other jobs or, or pursue other advocate, uh, turn an avocation into uh, a hobby, and 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 other people have you know flipped from one job to another because th- they could get paid more. So you know why why continue to work on the you know for less when you could do the same job elsewhere and get paid a lot more and be valued. So I think all of that is mm-hmm. uh, is is go- is going on. Uh, I, I don't I don't think it's it's a, it's. A, I don't think this over reliance, you know, this uh, over reliance on on explaining, uh, you know, has has become, uh, you know, a a cure all for trying to explain why people are choosing to do what they're doing. Yeah, there's not one. Yeah, not one simple answer to that. I don't think. Yeah, I I don't. I I think you're right. Mm -hmm. I I I don't. I mean, I was listening to a very well-known economist um, Friday night on, uh, on, on a cable business uh, program, and, and he built this whole presentation around what he's alleging is a continuation of the wealth effect. And I, and, and I, respect, the, I respect him, but I, I don't respect 
you know, the case that, that he was trying to build. Well, That's my opinion. If you look at and and the theme of what you're talking about with this series on the podcast, a, a health shock of any type, and then you couple that with a financial shock, I mean, again, back to your original point, longevity planning really needs to factor all of this into these scenarios. Yeah, it does. Uh, what I what I'm finding is that people with severe heart disease, transplant candidates, especially people with cancer, this causes, all of this causes a, a big drain on their finances. And what I find is people raid all of their accounts, including their retirement accounts, so they can continue treatment. In a number of cases, the treatments are considered by Medicare or by commercial insurance companies to be experimental. So there is no insurance coverage whatsoever. So what I'm seeing is there, there, there can be health shocks. And I think when, when these health shocks occur, the, the treatments can impact decision making. So what, what, I, what I mean by that is, is you, you have both a health shock and a financial shock. Yeah. I think the impact is enormous. I, I think it's like a three alarm fire wow. that's that's going off. And as an advisor, what I find is sometimes people just honestly can't afford to pay my fee or maybe other advisors fee. So I, I personally believe and I do this, I, I you just have to step up. Yeah, I, the, the advisor needs to then because offer the client assistance now as a pro bono engagement. I do this, and I think other clients, uh, other excuse me, other advisors have the same responsibility when, when people are in a severely life threatening uh, situation, and and you you can't pull the rug out, uh, you know, from under yeah from under them. Well, so, yeah, I, I I agree, I, and and I know that you have done that, and even going back to when we did a radio show together, Fred, you yeah. offered no cost, no obligation consultations. Yeah, I, I did, and um, since I uh, had my office in in a in a small town, uh, I still have my PO box there, so I still you know, run into people. Sometimes it's people, I, I don't even know who they, <laughs> who they are, but they know my name uh -huh. and will say hello to me uh, and, and wave hello or say hello or come over to and talk to me. I'm embarrassed to say I don't know who they are. Um, and uh, I've helped out uh, some of the clergymen in town who, uh, and sometimes I, I can't help the, the individual, so I will send them over to uh, senior protective services um, uh, or uh, for for assistance, and and uh, it works very well in New Jersey. They sometimes can get out same day, sometimes a day later, and, mm -hmm. and, and help that uh, you know and help that person. Um, I the other thing that I find um, to be a major issue is that um, we've been warned about social isolation for for the elderly. And uh, because of the coronavirus, we're, we're promoting social isolation. Yeah. I, I think this change alters the, the medical model of, of how, how people age, how are they going to age properly, how are they going to age well. I, I have no idea uh, how this is going to 
going to work out. But if social isolation is going to become more of a norm, it's something to be concerned about. And I saw that uh, countries that have very high inoculation rates, Sweden, Nor Norway, and Israel, I saw that in Norway, um, people are not permitted to go out uh in in twos unless unless it's it's you live in the same household so mm. i mean it, it, it it's really it's really concerning uh because i don't think that having the television on and talking back to the television uh you know helps helps anyone i, I think you you need that social well, you that do social interaction. And look, we crave it, too. And that's why it is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Of course, we had severe social isolation at the height of COVID. But now the, we're seeing the work dynamic change and many are still working from home. And I think that um, companies are saying, hey, we don't need to have this big building anymore with cubicles in it, which actually does promote social interaction, but also can hamper production, really, because one thing they found was when people worked from home, I think they that many really seriously doubted the production uh, level that would come out of work from home. And I think they pleasantly were pleasantly surprised in finding out that people were in some cases more productive and maybe because they didn't have the distractions of social interaction <laughs> like at work. But it's going to be interesting to see, as you said, how that plays out. Yeah. Also, you know, many people saved their commuting time. Right. And, yeah, exactly. And didn't lose two hours a day or maybe more, you know, just commuting and then just being able to work uh, from home. So, you know, there's a blurring of the line be between personal time, you know, and work time. And, and you know, people will use that additional time, uh, the additional hour on the front end and on the back end uh, to to actually, uh, you know, do, do work. So uh, I'm even seeing uh, some companies that um, that said that people had to had to come to work now have said, no, nope, stay, stay home. They're warning you know, the, yeah. Yes, you know, the companies that closed down uh, their offices. So uh, as an asset class, uh, commercial buildings have now been moved into the uh, commodity class. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, uh, Ian, I, I was talking to one of my clients uh, who is uh, in uh, the uh, commercial real estate uh, business, and um, he told me a lot, of, a lot of this, a lot of the, a lot of the space uh, is either standing empty. Uh, and he says some of the space, some of the buildings, just magnificent, but it's totally empty. And he said other uh, are being converted into warehousing. You know, I and think with technology, Fred, it would have gone that way anyway. And I think COVID just um, accelerated that that change, that switch I think, over. I think I think you're right. I was just reading um, uh, quite a bit about artificial intelligence and uh, and automation. And, um, and, and uh, you know, it's starting, starting, you know, with uh, quick, the, um, you know, the McDonald's, the Burger Kings yeah. and, and, and whatnot. Uh, but now, uh, but now it's, it's also coming into full service restaurants. Well, there, there are robots that are capable of, of taking your order, serving you and so on. And just, just replacing individual, uh, the wait staff has now be, has now becoming robotic this is uh, not widespread uh, at the moment but it's it's getting there and um, as artificial intelligence uh, uh, continues to be 
uh, applied, uh, it, it, uh, it, will, uh, it won't be necessarily a case, which we thought originally, that of humans and machines interacting. It now looks like it's going to become a case of, of machines replacing humans. Yeah, so, and you know, I'm but, wondering, what are we going to do now in the future? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I was reading a number of, of articles uh, over the weekend uh, on that subject. I mean, this is really the new frontier of, uh, of research, uh, of, how, of, of, how, of how to apply it, how to use it, and, and what, what can be done with it. I mean, even, um, even surgeries, forms of surgery now, uh, there there has been applied to them. So not to, <laughs> Well, uh, the, apparently the error rate on, on some really delicate surgeries, you know, the inadvertent nick uh, that, that sometimes occurs with the scalpel, does doesn't occur. Well, please, though, have a human supervising that. You know, oh, another yeah. thing, too, that uh, is interesting to me, I saw this in the radio industry come quite early uh, when we began to automate and with computers we could automate and you didn't have to have a human on in the building at all times, quite frankly. And what happened was it ruined the what we call the training ground for radio. Back in the day, you, got a, you could get a job at a radio station in when you were in high school. And that was kind of like you were on the farm team in a way. You were you were training huh. for it, and you can move that outside of radio too. Even fast food restaurants. Uh, who who yeah. worked in there? I know when I was in high school, uh, a lot of the uh, kids I went to school with worked in the fast food restaurant. And so yeah. you don't even you're, you're going to lose a lot of those starter jobs too. I think with artificial intelligence, it's just well, interesting how this is going to play out. It really well, is. Th- yeah, you can't uh, stop well, progress though. No, you can't. Uh, you can't be a Luddite. Uh, no, you can't the machine breakers. No, it, it's being used in warehousing. You know, Amazon is, is a big user uh, of it. I, I saw on a uh, news program uh, uh, had a uh, five-and-a-half-minute segment uh, shot in, in an Amazon warehouse, and, and it showed you the uh, how the machines – the, the robots just move along and and you know grab the stuff and I, I didn't realize that 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 you know when you when you move your arm back you know fold, and you fold the your arm through your your elbow uh-huh. for for a machine to do that it's quite it's quite a feat duplicating the human arm motion so uh, but uh, Amazon has machines that are capable that can do of, that. Of, of doing that yeah yeah it's not going to stop I mean we're just we're gonna have to sit back and watch the show and just hope there's something for us to do uh, man this is good I know we got <laughs> off uh, off subject a little bit but it's I just know. interesting though it really is but um you know you are right on track with looking at longevity planning because it's a more holistic way to look at it so love this series Fred and I look forward to of course more great conversations yeah, I, I, since we're recording uh, right before Christmas and Kwanzaa, I, I want to wish everybody a, a, a healthy and a most enjoyable holiday and hopefully in, in good health. And I hope everyone uh, who can can spend it with, with family and, and uh, with, with friends, if that's at all possible. And if not, then for those who can't, then at least on a Zoom meeting and, and enjoy enjoy the holidays, enjoy people. Uh, hopefully we won't get locked down again. 
Well, hopefully not. And uh, have a great holiday season, Fred. We'll talk again next week, still in the middle of the holiday season. So we'll get back together again for more of this podcast, Money Matters USA. Investment advisory services offered through Money Matters USA, LLC. Fred Sade and his guests provide general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and are not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to the securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Money Matters USA LLC. By contacting Money Matters USA, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.